Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 17. And we're going to continue on this theme of change. And I asked this in the first service, and I think every single hand went up. But how many of you would say that within the last two months, there has been some significant changes taking place in your life? Okay? So it's about the majority of you. Literally almost every hand went up in the first service. And so, yeah, change is taking place all the time. But we've been learning this, that when change takes place because of God's mandate, then it's always for our good. Now, we talked last week. That doesn't mean it doesn't come about challenges. How many of you know that when God brings change, that means challenge sometime? And when we walk through that challenge and how we walk through that challenge really depends or depicts the outcome of the change that takes place in our life. But change with God is always good, always far better, and always for the furtherment of His kingdom. I want to read to you today out of Genesis chapter 17 because here we find the very first name change that takes place in Scripture. Okay? And it's so significant. There's a principle when, when studying your word called the first mentioned principle. When something happens for the first time in Scripture, you want to key in on it, you want to look at it, you want to study it because it's very significant to us as well. The very first name being changed in the Bible, Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 1, and it reads, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, Yahweh Elohim. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham." For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you. Throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. Verse 8. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourners, all the land of Canaan. Why is this significant? It's significant because this was promised to them. This is the promised land. This is their destiny. And now, Abram, becoming Abraham, I'm going to give you and your descendants that promise. And I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you... You shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. Abraham, here's what I'm going to do for you and all of your nations. Listen to the scripture. I'm going to give this to you. Through you, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fulfill the promise. I'm going to take you into the promised land. There's just one thing you have to do, Abraham, and that's be obedient. Go with me to verse 15. Because God not only changed Abram's name to Abraham, he changed Sarai's name. Verse 15, same chapter. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become Nations, kings of peoples shall come 
from her. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that your word is awesome. God, I pray that the next few moments that we have together, that you would just communicate this awesome word to us in a way that is real, in a way that is relevant, in a way, Lord God, I can apply it to my life and see the change take place right here personally. In Jesus' mighty name, I want you to do me a favor for the prayer. I want you to take your hand, put it on your heart. Okay, come on, everybody, this place. I want you to say, God, God change me. Change. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. Amen. 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 We talked last week about going from sinner to saint, that there was a name change. Here, once again, in Scripture is the very first name change, Abram to Abraham, and then the second name change, Sarai to Sarah, within the same passage. Something very significant is taking place here. When God changes name in Scripture, it means two things. It means there's a character change taking place, and then it means oftentimes there's a destiny change taking place. But one thing is for certain, God can never change your destiny until he changes your character. Everything that God wants to do, he wants to do in you first, so then that it can be seen on the outward. God is coming to Abram to do something very significant. If we rewind to chapter 12, and we began to read there, up to chapter 17 where we just read, we would see this. We would see that Yahweh Elohim, God Almighty, comes five times to Abram, and he begins to speak to him. The first time in chapter 12, he comes and he speaks to him. He comes again in chapter 12 and speaks to him. He comes in 13, and he speaks to him. And he speaks to him, and every time he does, he says something to him, and Abram does that. He does walk it out, but we see something that every time he walks it out, there is still a little bit of doubt. Here we have the fifth visitation of Yahweh Elohim, God Almighty, coming to Abram. And this one, though, is different than all the rest. The fifth visitation, the number five. The number five is always significant of this word called grace, the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. And in the fifth visitation, number five, God comes and he literally begins to change his name from Abram to Abraham, number five. Why number five representing grace? Because it represents redemption in our lives. Number one, the number would represent God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, number one. Number two represents the Son, Jesus. We see him in the New Testament, the one that comes second after God is revealed in the Old Testament. Jesus now comes alive in the New Testament, becomes Emmanuel, God with us. Now, and through Him now, the process of redemption continues. Promised in God, symbolic through the sacrifices of the Old Testament, Jesus now, New Testament, number two, the Son of God. Number three represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's the one that Jesus said, it is better for you that I go to the Father, that I leave my disciples, that I leave you here on earth, because if I go, then I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, number three. Number four often represents, through scripture, in typology, it represents the world system. It represents the world coming against the work of God that we see throughout scripture. Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your 
my, that you might prove it is that good and acceptable and perfect will that God has given us. Number four, world system coming against the work of God. Number five, then, represents redemption and Jesus coming on the cross to redeem us from the world system. It's a pretty awesome picture. And on the fifth visitation to Abram, God begins to give us this theme of grace and redemption on the fifth visitation. Also, it's interesting to know, and this is what I want to talk to you about today, it's interesting to know what happens from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. Because what takes place is God looks at their name, Abram, and he literally takes the fifth alphabetic letter in the Hebrew system, the ha, and he puts it on Abraham. And he becomes, from Abram, he becomes Abraham. But he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just do it for Abram and say you're Abraham. He does it for Sarai, and he says you are Sarah. Everybody say ha. Ah. Say it like you're German. Say ha. Ha. Doesn't that hurt right there? Ha. God does something so significant in chapter 17. He literally uses the number five to show the redemptive work, to show the grace that comes, literally putting it into their name. Let's rewind to 12, chapter 12. So many things have taken place in Abram's life up until this point. He's heard from God. God spoke to him in 12. I want you to get up in the place you're at, and I want you to go after a city whose builder and maker is God. Abram does it, and we see him obey that, but in the process of obeying it, we also see that he doesn't fully trust God. Is it possible to sit in church, hear God's word, hear his voice, this is what you're to do, even step out and maybe begin to do it, but not actually fully trust him? How do we see that? In chapter 12, the same chapter where he gets up and he leaves, he finds himself in Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, he's scared for his life because his wife is hot. It's true. Now, the Bible says his wife is beautiful. Modern day translation, his wife is hot. Okay? <laughs> Study it out. It's in the Hebrew song. <laughs> he's got a good looking wife. And he's so scared that they are going to kill him why? Because his wife is good looking. I have the same problem all the time. <laughs> I people trying to take me out. My wife's good looking. How many men out there have that problem and you're married? You better put your hand up. Because <laughs> your wife is looking at you. Put your hand up. Lost it. I'll kill you. <laughs> Chapter 12. He literally pretends that his, his wife is his sister so they don't kill him. In other words, puts his wife in a very compromising situation. In other words, cares more about himself than what happens to his wife. God, you spoke to me to go on this journey, but I don't trust you. I'm going to have to handle this one myself. That's what he's saying. I stepped out on this journey, but whoa. Okay, God, I got this one. I'm going to lie, deceive, manipulate, right? You go on to chapter 13, and as we continue to look at the story of Abram, you see that he is very rich. This dude's got it going on. He's got a hot wife and money. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring it to life here. Right? He is rich. Matter of fact, the Bible says verses before that there is a time of famine going on. But yet he's rich. God's taking care of him. God's promises to him. 
But yet he still don't fully believe it. Okay. Verse 13, chapter 13. He's rich. So rich that him and his brother have to separate and go different ways. Crazy, right? Uh, I'm sorry, there's not enough room for both of us in San Diego. You're going to have to move to Tijuana. <laughs> San Diego's mine. They were so, it's so, they had that separate ways. Okay? We see that that lot then goes to Sodom, and there uh, some really bad things happen. Okay? And, and we see that now he has to go and rescue Lot out of Sodom. He has so much influence and power, and he actually has an army. Come on, you know you're rich when you have your own army. Right? And then he had to have the army just to protect his wife because she was so good looking. That part's not true. He had an army. He had wealth. He had all this stuff. Okay? God's speaking to him. Chapter 15, we now have the fourth visitation. And on this visitation, this is when, when, when Abram's in his tent. Maybe you know the story. And God shows up to him and brings him outside of his tent. And he says, Abram, look to the stars. As many as the stars in the sky, so shall your descendants be. Whoa. I'm glad I'm a man and not a woman right now, God. It's a lot of people. So shall your descendants be. This is the promise. But they, 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 this, this conversation happens, and it's kind of like this doubt, but wait a second. My wife's never had a child. I don't have my own heir. There's nobody to carry on the lineage. There's nobody to carry on this thing. God, thank you for the promises, but I'm not sure that you understand that we are getting older, and my wife don't have any children. I don't have any children with her, and so this isn't going to work. So Abram and Sarai do something that we all do. We look at the promise of God and we say, God, it's taking you too long. I'm going to figure this one out. Well, preach it, Pastor. I will. God, I mean, you, you've been telling me since chapter 12 that you got some great plan for me. And now you're telling me that I'm going to have all of these descendants and nations are going to come for me and that stuff, but yet my wife ain't ever had a child. I don't even have my own heir. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go and investigate and I'm going to figure this thing out. Job this thing we can never do. Because they do it. And they come up with this grand solution. You know what you need, Abram? What's that? You need yourself another wife. I don't know how he did that. Still trying to figure out one. <laughs> Two. Think about Solomon. Dude, that's rough. 700 wives. Thousands of them. Yeah. Different story for a different time. We can talk about that when we do a relationship. <laughs> so they figure this thing out. So Sarah says, you know what you need? You need my servant, Hagar. That's what you need. And take her as a wife. So he does. Guess what? She gives birth to a son. The son's name is Ishmael. Sweet! Someone to carry off. God says, eh, wrong answer. You just created a lot of problems for a lot of people for a lot of future generations. Because Ishmael becomes the father of what we know as the Muslim nation. 
And it's actually prophesied over him that he would be that and there would be contention between them. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself in a season where you know God spoke to you? You know that he promised you something, whether it's a business, whether it's a marriage, whether it's, you know, more financial prosperity, whether whatever it is, some dream that you know that I know God spoke this to me. I, I'm, I've, I've talked to other people and they feel the same thing about me, but yet it's not happening. It's been like five minutes. <laughs> right? This is what, when God makes a promise, this is what we do. I'm getting too honest now. I tried to do it on their own. Every time he did something up to this point, it was God spoke and I stepped out, but you know, I better manipulate my way through this situation. That's that, that's not my wife, that's my that's my sister, really, because I saw you guys the other day and that don't look like your sister. <laughs> True, read the Bible, it's there. So up until this moment, he is literally working on his own strength, his own ability, his own unction, his own power, and his own authority. But yet there's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that we can never obtain under our own strength, our own ability, and our own authority. And that is the promises of God. Because if God promised it, he is faithful in and of himself to complete it and to do it for you. That's good preaching, Pastor. So they've been working, trying to figure this thing out, and they create a problem. Because every time we try to help God out, listen, we don't have to help God be God. But we do it so often, don't we? It's just, God will help you with that. So now, chapter 17. And if I could, I just want to talk to you real quickly about the in Abraham and in Sarah and what that means to us today. Because here is Abraham in chapter 17 and he looks at himself. And if you read on through the next verses, when God comes and says, hey, there's going to be nations out of you. There's, I know, God, you said that, but yet I don't see it yet. Where is it? And he says, you know what? I'm going to give you a son, you and Sarah together. I'm going to give you two a son. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Abram fell down and laughed at God. Woo. True story, read it. He fell down and he is like knee slap. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And he says this, uh, my body is as good as dead. I'm 99 years old and my wife, she old too. But she's still good looking. Come on somebody. He laughs at God. Later on, when God comes to remind him of the same promise, he's talking with Abram, and he says to Abram, the promise again, Sarah is listening in the tent. And guess what she does? She falls down and laughs too. And guess what? God didn't get mad at her. He got mad at Abram. Because he was supposed to lead. Here's Abram. God, how is this possible? 
It's possible because I'm going to put my grace on you. It's possible because I'm going to breathe life into your situation. It's possible because, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I've realized, that, that, that many of us, we might feel at the end of our marriage, the end of our business, the end of our dream, the end of this, but it is when you come to the end of yourself that you discover the beginning of God. And it is when Abraham came to the end of himself that God said, now I can use you. It's been 14 years since the original promise, but now here you are, and you realize that your body's as good as dead. But unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot raise up and bring forth fruit. But now that you realize, Abraham, you can't do it on your own, I'm going to breathe life upon you, and I'm going to bring it to pass. But I'm not only going to do it for you, I'm going to do it for your wife, Sarai. And her name will no longer be Sarai, but it will be Sarah. And when God did that, listen to me now. When God did that, he took the five, fifth visitation, he took the grace, he took the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and he inserted it into their name, forever marking Abraham and Sarah, saying, my grace will follow you wherever you go. The only thing you have to do is obey. The only thing you have to do is obey. I am God and I am literally going to come upon your impotence and I'm going to stick my omnipotence on top of it and I'm going to create something inside of you. Amen. 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 See, we have to look at the scripture and we have to understand this is the first theme of grace. Breathes. Life. He sticks it in. I love what he does with Sarah's name. He sticks it at the end. And any time the H shows up at the end, it's the feminine connotation, which means that there is love, there is gentleness, there is sensitivity, and he creates a mother within Sarah and calls her Sarah. She had never mothered a child up until this point. Grace, child, nations. In Judaism, the is representative of the number five. Five is the ha. But it not only represents the grace, it represents it's the number for Yahweh Elohim, Almighty God. And he literally inserts his might into Abraham. He inserts his might into Sarah. And he says, now you're able to do it. Now you're able to fulfill it. I, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I honestly feel with all my heart that there are people in here that you are at the end. You feel like throwing in the towel in some area of your life. Maybe you feel like throwing, I was talking with people just yesterday. They feel like throwing the towel in on their dream. Man, this is what God showed me, but I don't see it. And I feel like literally nine dudes sitting around with stats over here having a great men's meeting. If you missed it, there's going to be another one coming up in a couple weeks. Sitting around, sharing our hearts, talking with one another for an hour and a half. And as I heard these people talk, I heard some of the pain and things. And a lot of people might look around this room and you might think everybody's got it together. You might think that, man, we're in church, we're good. But the reality is this, is that many of you are doing great. But the reality is the majority of you have an area in your life where you feel like throwing in the towel. That is not just something I, 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 I threw out there. That's coming from genuine conversations I'm having with people. Whether it be a marriage. Here's the thing. 
Because a lot of times I'll meet with one spouse and they'll say something. Then I have a chance to talk to them and they're saying something completely different. That the spouse doesn't even know what's going on yet in the heart of the other person. There's some people that feel like throwing in the towel on their marriage. There's some people that feel like throwing in the towel on their business. There's some people that feel like throwing in the towel on their relationship with God. God has not come through for me. And this is where Abram's at. God, I know you promised it, but I don't see it. And what now? Now? You're going to do it. Because when you come to the end of yourself, you discover the beginning of God and His grace. And His grace is sufficient. And His grace that's amazing comes and creates a way where there seems to be no way. Because what was impossible with man is possible with God. I believe with all my heart that there are some of you sitting here that God wants to insert the into your circumstance. He wants to come and breathe life upon whatever it is you're struggling, whatever it is you're going through. There are others of you here today that you are literally in that process of, I see the dream. It hasn't come to pass yet. Uh, what am I going to do? And you're about ready to step out and try to create it. But you can never obtain the promises of God on your own. The grace of God is the only thing that can carry you to the promise of God. We're saved by grace through faith. What comes first? Grace. When he pours out the on your circumstance, in your situation. That's when you begin to step into the promise. That's when you begin to step into the great thing that God has for you. What's so significant about this name change? Because he forever inserted himself into the promise. And said, here's the promise. You're never going to get there until I step in. I believe there's some of you here today and you're even anxious for a relationship. You want a relationship, an intimate, a spouse, and where are they? Pastor, why do you talk about that one a lot? Because we have a lot of single people in our church. And the last single people I talked to didn't say they felt called to sell the singles away. <laughs> Pastor, would you hurry up and grow the church so I have some more options? <laughs> uh, why don't you shave and shower and maybe you'll help bring in some more options? <laughs> Ladies, don't laugh. Go to the, go to the neighbors. Don't laugh. <laughs> Listen to me. Don't take matters into your own hands. When we begin to take matters into our own hands, we, we create problems. But wait for God's time and wait for God's grace. Allow Him to, in your circumstance, in your situation, and it'll forever change. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is phenomenal. God, I thank you that I can be a part of it today. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Do me a favor, just close your eyes for a minute. Because I know I, I just feel there's a unique anointing on this Sunday and on this service specifically. God is getting our church ready for something, and there's change taking place internally with inside our church which means there's change taken eternally inside of us. Because I believe what, what's about to take place, God is going to use you, and you're going to be a very big and very vital part of it. But God can't take us to the promise until he changes the character. Until he 
on our servant states until he got our life. Wow. Abram is no longer your name, Abraham. Sinner, no longer your name. It's saint. It's righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Ah, bring so much more influence, ability, power, wealth. God wants to change eternally to take you to the promise externally. You're here today, eyes closed, sets about your evaluating yourself. But there's an area that you feel like throwing in the towel. There's an area that you feel like giving up. There's an area where you feel like, you know what, God? That's you, and you would say, Master, that's me. I'm there. For this morning, if you would be sensitive enough to this setting with God and say, That's me, would you just shoot your hand in the air? Shoot your hand in the air, shoot high. Come on, just leave it up, leave it up, yeah, 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 leave it up. Yeah. Maybe the people around you don't even know, but that's what's going on in your heart. That's what's going on. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Put your hand down. Hallelujah. There's others of you here, and you are literally getting anxious. God, I want to see this. I know what it's like. I remember having the dream of 2004 starting a church in San Diego. Thought it was going to happen. God moved me to the desert called Las Vegas. Dear Jesus. Five years later. Five years later. There were times I felt like, you know what, God, this is, I'm going to go, I'm going to go start, so I'm going to go create, so I'm going to go make something happen. Here today, and you'd say, No, Pastor, I'm not in that first situation, but I'm in a situation where I know what God's speaking to me, but I'm not seeing it, and I get anxious, and I want, I want, I'm almost ready to step out and make some things happen. If that's you, just shoot your hand here. I want to go and pray for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait on God, wait on God, wait on God, wait on God. Don't make it happen. Don't rush into it. Every time you do, you create more problems than you do good. Don't rush into it. Don't rush it. Wait on God, wait on His time. Wait on God, wait on His time. The reality is it'll happen in the most obscure way, the most obscure time. You'll feel like Abraham and Sarah, and you'll want to laugh at God, but God says, ah, 